Take it says wholeheartedness. It makes what? It makes what? Some difference. It makes all the difference. And the scripture says about uh, uh, about Caleb because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. He was given the land of Hebron, and that's not. That's different from the land allocated to the tribe of Judah. Somebody under the sound of my voice, you're going to get double portion blessing too in the name of Jesus. Say it wholeheartedly. I asked on Sunday that how many of you would like to be in a very, uh, let's say, uh, a very tight uh, relationship with somebody who is half-hearted? If you're married to somebody, do you want to be married to somebody who's half-hearted towards you? If you want, if you have a child, you want a child that is half-hearted, loves you only half-heartedly. You know, children, when they hear the horn of your car, the way they run out, you really have to drive in slowly because there's a wholehearted welcome. Can we clap for our children? Wonderful, wonderful. Now that's a half-hearted one. Come on now. And that's what I said. I said, I am. I'm saying, Lord, come into the temple and let's welcome him wholeheartedly. Most parents mark the children that are wholehearted towards them. We don't talk about it, but we know the categorization. Most parents love all your children, but they're not all on the same level. And so all of us are saved, but we're not all on the same level. Jesus had 12 disciples. There was Peter, James, and John. There was the 12. There was the 70. There was the 120. There was the 5,000. I don't know where you want to belong to, but me, I'm amongst Peter, James, and John. It is those ones that he takes to the Mount of Transfiguration where they're able to see him in the form of his deity. And when they came down, how do you explain that to anybody else? Imagine how that changed the relationship they had with Jesus. May we not miss the best part of the Lord in Jesus' name. Say a wholehearted amen. Now, if I were to describe in my own words, and I'm going to ask you yours, what, how will you define wholeheartedness? I'll give you mine. Wholeheartedness to me will be going all the way. Hello. If I had a body, a friend, that I want to say that his friendship with me is wholehearted, is the one that goes all the way with me. Is that right? Does that work? So PFP's definition of wholeheartedness is going all the way. Whether it's my friend, whether it's with the Lord, wholeheartedness to me is about going all the way. Can I ask you, how would you define wholeheartedness i wish i had a lot of young ladies here that are not married if you wanted a, the, if you had four suitors is it not the one that's wholehearted you're likely to go for huh Aha. so how do you define wholeheartedness a gelly gelly way let's hear from joy Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. To me, it means complete sincerity. Complete sincerity. Come on now. What's going on in church? 
Wholeheartedness means somebody that deals with me in, in complete sincerity. I don't have to second guess what is on your mind. I don't have to second guess what you're going to do. Plain as a book. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Wholeheartedness in your own definition. All oh, the ladies are on my page today. Come on now. Let me hear you. What's your name? Joy. Really? There's joy in the house. I said there's plenty joy in the house. Okay. Um, to me, wholeheartedness um, means commitment. Like, to me, committed 100%. Wholeheartedness. Joy says it means 100% commitment. Sounds like going all the way with me. Praise God. Nobody really wants somebody who is not prepared to go all the way. Which means the day is not easy. They are gone. Have you ever heard of fair weather friends? Hello. Have you heard of fair weather friends? When you're still cute, you don't have any wrinkles, joy on your face. You're still young. The man that you want is the one when you get to 55. It's still they pursue you. Because the skin won't be as smooth anymore. Come on, I'm going all the way. Let me ask the man, do you want a lady that when you have money to spend, they're all over you? When there's a little recession, you call, they know they pick. You call, they know they pick. Is that, is that what you want? Man, is that what you want? What do you want? What kind of girl do you want? The one that the love doesn't change with the currency. <laughs> Why are you all quiet? I'm touching a raw nerve. Okay, I'll leave that matter alone. Let me, let me. <laughs> you know, you're so quiet. I'm beginning to wonder, did I say something wrong? A lot of people's wholeheartedness is not exactly wholehearted. It is like the delegates in Abuja. It is when the currency is right, I'm wholehearted. When it reduces, it may not reduce. Huh? The measure you used to measure the dollar to me is the measure I measure my delegate to you. About wholeheartedness. Numbers 14 and verse 24, the NIV. We're talking about wholeheartedness. Can I tell you something? This is what God wants you to hear now. This is not a nice sermon. This is the word of God for now. The present truth. Concerning this Caleb, this is another scripture. Read with me. It says, but because my servant Caleb does what? Follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. God is making a direct promise, assurance and reassurance that no way, no way this Caleb, because he follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him in. You see, if the Lord left your destiny in the hands of somebody and the person changes his mind, you can get stuck. But I like the promises where God says, I will do it. I will use somebody, but if the person does not perform, I will reserve replacements for the person. That way, nothing that God wants to do in your life, one person can terminate it. May this be our promise from the Lord in Jesus' name. It says, because my servant is usually servants that get to the point of wholeheartedness. 
He says, I have found my servant David. Because he says, who will carry out all my will? He's talking about wholehearted. He says, therefore, I will anoint him with my oil. His throne will be like the days of heaven. There's something about God. He loves everybody, but he picks out the wholehearted. How many of you know the Bible says the eyes of the Lord, they roam to and fro the whole earth, seeking those whose what? Whose hearts are perfect towards him. For my heart to be perfect towards you, it means I'm wholehearted to you, with you, all the time. It says his eyes are looking for what to do to prove himself strong on their behalf. May we qualify ourselves and not disqualify ourselves in Jesus' mighty name. That's not wholehearted. We're talking about seasonal. If you want to say amen, say amen. Nobody will catch you. They will not bill you for saying amen. <laughs> and so this is the Lord speaking. I'm going somewhere with this. In Numbers 32, again, verses 11 to 12, we're staying with the NIV. It says, listen to this song. Because they, meaning those that are not wholehearted, they have not followed me wholeheartedly. Not one of the men, 20 years old or more, who came up out of Egypt will see the land I promise on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not one except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for what? They followed the Lord. Can I hear it? They followed the Lord. Can you see? God saved all of them through the Red Sea. Fed them with the bread of angels. But they got to a time, it says, those that did not follow me wholeheartedly, they will not enter. There are two verses here. One for the good side, one for the not so good side. I want to ask you, are you in verse 11 or verse 12? May we fit into verse 12 in Jesus' name. The one that will enter in. So this thing about wholeheartedness, let me ask you, are you getting how important it is or not? Hello? You're not answering me. Are you getting it or not? Let me ask you, is God serious about wholeheartedness or not? Did you know this before? You didn't know this before. How seriously... God takes wholeheartedness. And I, and I sent a, a slide into our, our church chat, chat group saying that wholeheartedness is what qualifies you to be a man or woman after God's heart. Okay, yeah, okay, it's up on the screen. It says, okay, let's read this together. Wholeheartedness is what? It's complete, sincere, and determined devotion and service to God without any form of hesitation or break. And it is the key, come on now, to becoming a man or woman after God's heart. We were talking all the time about David, a man after God's heart. And the next thing, the Lord turns my attention to the word wholeheartedness. And now he's showing us how they connect to each other. Wholeheartedness is the key that made a Caleb to inherit Hebron and still get a part 
of the land given to his tribe called Judah. Wholeheartedness is what caused David, who was the youngest of eight brothers, when the last becomes the first. The number eight became number one. When you're wholehearted, you know what God happens? God cancels protocol. He collapses protocol. When he finds you wholehearted, nothing is allowed to stop you. There's nothing like staircase to the wholehearted. God puts you in an elevator that takes you directly up. May that be our experience in Jesus' mighty name. On Sunday, I read to you Joshua chapter 14. And I read verses 6 to like 15. And the subheading there is where I want to focus on. Aha. The subheading in my Bible says, Caleb requests his land. Are you there? I said, are you there? They are allocating land to tribes. And Caleb steps forward and says, remember what God said to Moses. Where is my land? You see, when you are a wholehearted follower of the Lord, you become a man after God's heart. It now gives you the right to make some claims. What somebody else will say that will be sacrilegious, mm -mm, not for you. You are in a different class. He requests his land, not the land for tribe of Judah, his own. Sounds audacious, but the Bible says, uh, uh, Joshua blessed him and gave him the land of Hebrew for all of eternity. And so, one of the reasons why we must study this wholeheartedness is, do you not realize that sometimes life may not want to give you what is yours? Do you not understand that sometimes people plot against you and they want to divert your inheritance? Do you not know sometimes they read your star and they want to move somebody else into your star or your position? Some people must have been eyeing Hebron. And that's why Caleb stepped forward. They said, hold on a minute. This land. You got to give it to me. If you're not wholehearted, when people divert your blessing, you may never be able to get it back. Are you there? Are you listening to me? Life is not fair. Can I tell you, Christian, just because you're a worshiper of the Lord, don't expect life to be fair. Life is not fair. You're going to meet difficult people. You're going to meet thieves. You're going to meet unkind people all over the place. It is the kind of covenant you have with God that will make you the head and not the tail. It says, that shall be the head and not the tail. And shall be on top and not beneath. The reason why God is saying so is that life is going to try and put you beneath but when you're a man after God's heart, God changes things. So shall it be in Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to sh show you something about King Hezekiah. Second Chronicles chapter 31 and verse 21. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Listen to this. It says, in all that Hezekiah did in the service of the temple of God, his God sought his God and worked wholeheartedly. Read the last sentence for me. As a result, he was very successful. 
God made sure he succeeded. Bible says, all he did in the service of the temple of God, Hezekiah sought his God and worked wholeheartedly as a result. It means that unchangeably so. It means without fail, he was very successful. There was no margin for any demonic activity to succeed. He says, let them speak a word, it will not stand. Let them take counsel together, it will not come to pass. May that be our blessing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this Hezekiah started well, wholeheartedly. And there's something about when life starts well, a lot of people don't understand that just because you started well, stuff happens. Can you say that with me? Stuff happens. Say that, stuff happens. The word stuff means things you don't want, things you're not ready for, they just happen. Bad things even happen to good people. Listen to what happened. In Isaiah 38, I'm going to read verses 1 to 6 in the NIV. This Hezekiah that became very successful. Listen to this. In those days, the same Hezekiah became ill. Hello. Hello. Why? The Bible doesn't tell us. You know, sometimes don't imagine you should know every reason for what is going on in your life or somebody else's life. No, the Bible doesn't tell us. You know, he became ill and was at the point of death. Ooh. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. It is bad enough to tell me I'm going to die. Why must you add you will not recover? Double jeopardy. It means doubly adjudged to die. The man who was wholehearted and succeeded in younger days got to a point. It now looks like, same man, where is God? And that's why I tell people wholeheartedness, don't drop it just because things got good. You never know when your wholeheartedness, you're going to need to call on it to change your situation. Okay, let's read on. Verse 2 says, Hezekiah heard and turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Imagine what he said. Remember the same thing Caleb told Joshua. Remember, that's the word, O Lord, how I walked before you faithfully and with what? wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes and Hezekiah wept bitterly then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah who was sent to give him the sentence of death and the same God who spoke to him that the man will die he will not recover told go and tell the same Hezekiah this is what the Lord the God of your father David says I've heard your prayer may we be able to say the right prayer and I've seen your tears, and I will add 15 years to your life. Guess what? I will, and I will deliver you. Will somebody receive that blessing and say, I receive it in Jesus' name. I will deliver you, and this city from the hand of Assyria, I will defend this city. The New English translation of this Isaiah 38, you need to hear it. 
In those days, Hezekiah was stricken with a terminal illness. Now I got your attention. Illness could be malaria. After one day or one and a half days, you're back on feet. Terminal means no way out. No matter how well you started, you could hit a very bad patch. It's called a cul-de-sac or a close. A road that leads nowhere. You can't even reverse. It's so narrow. You're stuck. He was stricken with a terminal illness and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, visited him and told him, this is what the Lord says. Give instructions to your household. Write your will, for you're about to die. You will not get well. Well, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He said, Lord, he said, please, Lord, remember. It is those that have worked with the Lord wholeheartedly that can say, remember. Otherwise, you will offend God even more. It says, remember how I have served you. Somebody listen to me today. Can you truly say that? Remember how I have served you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion. And how I have carried out your will. Then his car wept bitterly. You know the rest of the story. God that pronounced the judgment. He reversed the judgment instantly. I want to speak a word of a reversal of a bad thing. Father, release that reversal in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of amen? Is that a wholehearted amen? Any pronouncement, any experience that is negative and contrary to our expectation, may the divine God, who is in charge of all things, speak a cancellation and reversal of that thing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two people, Caleb, because he served God, he could make a claim. Everybody else had to settle for what was given to the tribe. He got that one, and he got another one, and that one's called Hebron. Serious. He could claim it. He said, give me my land. Hezekiah could say, but Lord, remember, it's not supposed to end this way. I want to ask you, is there not a situation in your life that you need to be able to call God to remembrance? If there's nothing to re remember, of if what to remember was only done half-heartedly, can you be bold enough to say that? It takes me to the real discussion of today. Reasons why God's people are not wholehearted. I said all that to say this. Shouldn't we talk? If truly wholeheartedness is what makes you a man or woman after God's heart, and when that happens, you can always call God to remembrance. And even if a judgment has been passed over you, even by God himself, God will reverse it. What a powerful situation to be. Now knowing that, and we find that wholeheartedness, we struggle with it. Can I get a witness somewhere? Wholeheartedness is easy to do it for one month. What I mean is, you, some people can do one month, but most and generally, we wane. The word may means, hello. Hello. Come on, I want to hear you. Your spirituality wanes. Sometimes your service, service to God, it wanes. Wholeheartedness is consistency. Going all the way, all the time. When you feel like it, where you don't feel like it. It is not for jokers. 
It is for people that have understanding that God's eyes are roaming through and through the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are perfect before him who are wholeheartedly devoted to him to prove himself strong on their behalf. Can I tell you something? When you see a wholehearted person like David going through something, don't judge the matter. It will not end the way you thought. Abogbo, Abi, you not here. What other people will get into will kill them. Listen, Ezekiah did not die. David was driven out of the city of David and people thought that was the end. God reinstated him there. Let me tell you, life has many twists and turns and speed bumps and all kinds of things. Traffic jams happens to good people. It takes a man after God's heart to be able to say, God, remember how we did. Get me out of here. And God says, done. The prayer of Ezekiah, the only way I can, I can summarize it as he prayed, God said, done. When we pray, may God just stamp it, done, in Jesus' name. So tell me reasons why God's people are not usually wholehearted. What is it that hampers our wholeheartedness or tampers with our wholeheartedness? You know something is going through your mind. I want to hear it. Somebody needs to hear it so that we understand it and guard against it so that having started well, will continue well and will finish well in Jesus name. I see a hand up there, Minister Bright. Come on, put your hands together for him. That's the culture of Grace Assembly. What is it that tampers with our our wholeheartedness or hampers it? Just restrains or constricts it. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I'd like to start by saying that uh, without um, I'm not saying this to praise you. During the COVID, during the COVID, I, I was watching how you handled everything. Uh, permit me to refer to it. You know, we started, you know, they're making the announcement to bound to, you know, uh, gatherings and all that. And you went as far as, you know, we started going online you know, services, and you kept saying the same thing. You kept saying, this is going to come to an end, and we will return again. Yeah. And the next day, the next week, as if God did not hear what you're saying, you hear another bad news. Yeah. And you kept on saying, it's going to come to an end. It went bad, so the wholeheartedness begins to drop, or we realize we didn't have it at all. When God is silent, Okay, so when what we expect doesn't happen when we expect it, it yes. tampers with or hampers our wholeheartedness. Yes. What are your hands doing? When somebody no. hits on a point, you're going to, by clapping for him, you say, Lord, thank you for teaching me what I need to know and how to deal with it now. Yeah. Yeah, so we, it went to the point you had to do some uh, services all the way from the house. Even me talking to you at a point. While watching you online, I said, <laughs> what conviction, what, 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 what do you, who told you that this is going to end? You know, and it just uh -huh. keeps getting we, back. So, yeah, we couldn't see the end of it. And you're thinking, yes, I'm if thinking, not me, 
Agodon de Tyre. And when the children of Israelites were in the wilderness, it was only when, you know, we, we think we are wholehearted until God is silent. When God went silent, silent, everybody went their ways. They went their own way. Yes. And so, um, God's presence talks about when things are fine, you have your car, you have everything. You know, the Holy Spirit always tells me something. He said, Bright, do you think there are some things, you know, do you think you will still be doing certain things if I take away certain things from you? Hey. I always think about that. So, I think the wholeheartedness drops when God takes a moment of silence. Can that you? is your finance. It could be your finances. It could be some the good things around you. It is your reaction. Your, your, you always talk about it is how you go through something that really matters. So when God is silent, when those things are dropping, your finances and all that, that is where is the attitude you are able to imbibe that time. That's what would really motivate God and comes in the next time to say, this person who wholeheartedly follows me. It's Can not you so clap for him? So and really clap wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedness is not, in, it's not in the physical. It is settled in the heart. It's it starts not, in the heart. It's not when people are gathered and we are all saying we are wholeheartedly. It is still when everywhere is quiet. What are you processing in your mind? And that's what God says. I think for David, before God made that pronouncement, I said God searches the heart. He has seen that this man is going to fulfill his cancer. And he made that declaration. That's right. Yeah. That's why the Lord called him a man after my own heart. When he had few sheep, he didn't curse God. His brothers were already captains and, and, and uh, lieutenants and uh, generals in the army. You know what they said to him? Who did you leave your few sheep with? Your own brother, same mother, same father, despising you. Usually it's the last born that everybody fawns over and blesses. He was rejected, treated bad. He brought food for them. They were the ones that needed the food, and that's what they paid him back with. And he didn't turn to God and say, God, how did you distribute this thing? Look at Eliab, he's tall and muscular like, like Saul. Me, I'm just average height. And then, why did my father send me houseboy message when these boys are, are big boys in town? He never once questioned that. In the story that we read about Hezekiah, when the man of God tell him, go and put your house in order, you will die, you will not recover. Why didn't he look at God and say, you are a wicked God? Why didn't he say to Isaiah, what kind of prophet are you? His reaction, he didn't even challenge the judgment. He just appealed to God on the basis of his wholeheartedness. Can you take a judgment from God without turning against God? Can you go through something so painful like that and not turn your back or you used to face God face to face and just turn your shoulder to him? A lot of people, that's what we do. Ezekiah didn't do that. He turned to the wall and spoke to God. And he spoke it humbly. He didn't say it angrily. He didn't, he didn't accuse God. He didn't judge God as being unrighteous. A God that says you will die, you will not recover. So wholeheartedness, like Mr. Bright said, it is in the heart. The eyes of the Lord 
They roam to and fro. I want um, multimedia to help me bring up that scripture. Through and through the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are perfect before him, that he may put himself strong and mighty on their behalf. It's serious. I want to know again the reasons why God's people are not usually wholehearted. Who else is going to help us? You know, what happens is as you share this thing, you know what happens? We learn. We learn what to do. Come on now. And we learn what not to do. Okay, it's Joy again. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, first of all, Daddy, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll also give an example with my own experience. Yes, when as a Christian, as you said earlier, that um, he started very early and everything was successful. Yes. I want to use myself for an instance. I started very early. I got married very early. Everything was successful. And sickness stroke. My husband was healed. Terminal illness. And this is someone that was, I wouldn't call, I shouldn't, he was perfect. When you want to talk of a Christian, he was 100% a full devoted Christian. And I saw him, he was still firm with his faith. Even when a lot of people came to say, okay, why not try this, go to these people, he still stood his ground to say, if God cannot heal me, if God cannot heal cancer, I believe he has a plan, a better plan for me. And I could see, and at the point, this is someone that has been joining me to Christ. So when he left, God took him. I, I questioned his existence to say, this is someone that has worshipped you with the whole of his heart. So why will you have to do this? You have the power to heal him. Yeah. Why will you have to take him this soon? So my question, even as a Christian, you pass through challenges in life and you think that, okay, because you're, you're a Christian and you think you're perfect, that God will answer you. Why is it that God does not answer us when we need him? Even when we are following him wholeheartedness. Thank you. The first thing I want us to do is to clap for the memory of this angelic late husband come on now wholeheartedly look at that testimonial of a man that loved god she said it was a perfect christian a perfect husband see on this side of eternity we will never know everything bible says we see darkly through a glass but on that day when we see him face to face we shall know all things there are bible says the things that are revealed belong to us but the things that are hidden belongs to god do you understand uh, we don't have the capacity to understand the the, the great mystery uh, of everything god is doing now we will understand in that time and that day part of being submitted to god is thy will be done christianity is not about it has to be my way and everything else will be going good. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In all of these things, Job, the Bible says, did not say anything against God. I assure you, I feel you, it is very difficult. But have you noticed Joy is always in church? Have you noticed she's always contributing? Have you noticed how well behaved her children are? Come on now. 
You are a living testimony. David didn't want his first son with Bathsheba to die. He died. He mourned. Then he shook it off. Our faith is not just to overcome things. Our faith is also to go through things and endure things. Can I tell you something? The experience you have with your husband, some women, if they live 500 years, will not even experience one-tenth of that. At least you have tasted a good man. You have tasted real marriage. You have seen quality men. Let me tell you, some people have married three husbands. Like the woman in the Bible, Jesus said you have, it's not seven husbands. <laughs> and the one you're with now is not your husband. And yet she didn't find any joy or any peace. The fact that you are standing, even me, the, what I've heard about you, my respect has gone up for you. You are not the mate of a lot of people. Can we appreciate our one or two? But that's not where the story ends. When you go through, Satan will go and tell God, just like Job, he says, if you take away his money and his success, what did Satan say? Come on now, your old Bible says, what did Satan say about Job? That he, Job he, what did he tell God? He said, God, he would turn around and curse you. That is where the Wahala was. He said, uh, Job, he said, have you seen my servant Job? May God call us his servant. My servant David, my servant Caleb. These are the people he blessed. He said, eh, I've seen him. Is it not because you're blessing him? You take the blessing away. I says, Job will curse you. I'm sure God paused. Thinking, really? Is that how shallow the relationship is? If the money goes, my best friend will not be my best friend anymore. Is that how it is? When somebody tells you your best friend is going to desert you when there are no good times, you will pause and you really want to know. Why? So that you know whether you're the right person or not. God says, okay, let's try it but don't touch his life. In all of these things, Job did not sin against God. And in the end, what happens? God gave him double everything he lost. God is going to reward you. In fact, he's already rewarding you. You see, they don't like, you see the kind of amen they're saying. God is going to compensate you for what you went through. But you know what I'm persuaded to tell you in my spirit? God assigned a short time for him. And basically our life is not measured in years. It's measured by assignment. When you finish your assignment, you go home. Thank you, my dear. Thank you for clapping. A lot of people, you measure life by years. It's foolishness. God doesn't see life the way we see life you're here for a purpose heaven is your home this is like the boarding house you're here to do something when you graduate from boarding house when you finish secondary school do you still stay in the boarding house you go home. 
But you know what? God needed, I'm talking to you, Joy. God needed somebody he could trust his son to who would give him the best and the sweetest life for the short time he was going to be around. He looked many women. He couldn't see them do it. He entrusted him to you. And from what I've heard, you did a great job. You know what? Let me ask you. If you're going to live a short life because your assignment is done, would you want to be with a half-hearted person or a whole-hearted person? My dear, help me clap for my baby there. Come on now. You see, children of Grace Assembly are something else. Wow. Do you know some people, if you spent one month with them, it would look like you lived joyfully for 10 years. So many memories, so many words, kind words, so many things to remember. And some people, you live with them for 40 years, you can't remember anything. It's just dull arguments, this and that. You know, I would rather choose a shorter, sweeter life than a long life that is meaningless. Go pass, go fail, go cruel, no juko. Every day is just like yesterday. And so. You were on assignment as well, but you didn't know. To, for him to finish his assignment well, a woman that will help him and allow him to finish. And he has finished. You continue. There is a reward. For instance, I've seen your children. How many of you remember that young girl that gave me a, a, a little um, bag on, uh, on Women's Day, I think, or Children's Day, a gift? I had to take a picture because I always see and I was like, I like this cute girl. I said, come on, take me a picture. I kept the picture. It was lately, I was walking towards the gate when he said, that's the mother of that little girl you like. And I said, really? You're the mother? You're already a wonder. Come on now, help me clap for this wonderful lady. Uh -huh. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly and therefore you have wars. Uh -huh. um, there's a version that says uh, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart. Look for another version for me that's more potent. I can't do that now. And then you, you, you bring it up. But as they do that, let me ask another, uh, for somebody else, why do we struggle with wholeheartedness? We have found out from Minister Bright that when things don't happen the way we want, when something drastic happens to us, I'm not saying it's easy, but we're learning that wholeheartedness, you have to ride the storm and then God shows up. What else? What other reason do we, that tampers with our ability to be wholehearted? Going all the way, okay, all right, give him the microphone. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Yes, yeah, so um, one of the reasons why people struggle with wholeheartedness is because um, some people, especially Nigerians and Africans, they walk around with a scale in their head, trying to measure their blessings with their problems. So, oh. Okay, the way they're clapping shows they're guilty. <laughs> you know, they're clapping. Ah, ouch, ouch, ouch. It all took me something. <laughs> so at any point where they feel like the, um, their problems have outweighed their blessings, they mm -hmm. now drop in serving God. Chai, can you clap for him again? That's another reason, another good reason. The things that hamper or tamper with our wholeheartedness. I'll give you one. What about wholeheartedness is following God all the way, all the time. What about when you don't just feel like? Nothing bad happened. Some of you, sometimes, don't you feel, I don't tire yourself. Who said yes there? At least there's one Christian in church. I don't know about the rest of you. There's one Christian in church. How many of you feel, in fact, I don't tire myself? And when you say that, what do you do next? You slow down. You don't come to church early anymore. 25 minutes after you come to church, and you're not even hurrying. The attitude is, at least I came. Why are you all quiet? Have a look at him and say, you, you're dead guilty. <laughs> you know, you're not wholehearted anymore. You that used to welcome people to church. And everybody can tell you have changed. And there is one look in your eyes, say, if you say something, you're you dare say something. The usher just clear out of the road when you're coming. I don't want to wahala. You know what I mean, don't you? The, sometimes we get a little tired. Do you know why we get tired? Because we don't encourage one another. The Bible says, encouraging one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. We tend to notice that somebody is tiring. And instead of encouraging them, we criticize them and we talk about them. We tell other people. And what you should do is don't even ask why. Sit next to the person and say, how are you doing? I said, oh, no, I beg. Say, okay, what are you doing after church? We could have a drink together. I'm, I'm paying. It's on me. Don't even ask why. Most and generally, after a while, the person will tell you what the problem is. And you say, uh -uh. it's normal. Me too, I went through it. And so on and so forth. That way you encourage the person, the person gets back. When we refuse to do that, let me tell you, the poison of discouragement can terminate anybody's Christianity. Though, listen, sin can be forgiven. You confess your sins over. Discouragement, there's no prayer on it. The only antidote for discouragement is that somebody leaves what they're doing, pays attention to you to encourage you. There's no Forgive me, Lord, and something like that. The only way to get out of discouragement is you encourage yourself in the Lord like David or somebody sweet makes time for you and you come out of it. And I want to thank God for those encouraging Christians that encourage me, I encourage other people. Can we just celebrate them in diaspora? 
if you know that somebody has encouraged you before clap your hands oh you people what are the things then aha this is the message bible read that with me god is always on the alert constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him you were foolish to go for human help but you could have had god's help now you're in trouble and so on and so forth god is always on the lookout to bless them to prove how great he is may we not miss it in jesus name somebody has something to say you're struggling should i say it should i not say it allow some people to get some blessings okay let's take her first ladies first and then the young man praise behind. the lord hallelujah um, i feel that uh people don't we don't serve god wholeheartedly when we feel unappreciated when we feel unappreciated yes because sometimes you tend to put in so much and then you feel you look at yourself and you feel oh oh i've done i've done this i'm happy this is happening and then somebody just comes along and just says something to rubbish what you felt that you have done and then you just feel like oh my god so after doing all of this why did i put in so much why am i putting so much and then you just relax and just forget about what you have been doing that's why the bible says that we should not relent in doing good irrespective of whatever it is that is going on around us we should not relent to do good praise the lord hallelujah you know the way you're clapping is almost like pharisee when you're when you don't feel appreciated come on now how do you feel you know you be the thing starts small by small and after a while your enthusiasm begins to die help me look around and tell somebody please appreciate me now <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I'm, I beg you. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we take Pastor K, I promised the young man there. Praise the Lord. Okay, I want to share this. I was very close to my grandpa. Like, he took me as his pet. Mm. So, he allows me to go to church anytime, but he doesn't go to church. And he serves idol, the idol is in the house. So one day I asked him, say, Pa, why don't you go to church? Serve God now. He not said I should listen. He sat me down and he said um, that when he was young, uh -huh. that he, he goes to church constantly. Hallelujah. So he said when he was young, yeah. he was serving as an altar boy. Um, for bishop and he, he goes to church every day is in fact he said he doesn't meet church for one day that at the time he got sick very sick that he was all alone that the church did not come and visit him he did not see bishop he did not see all the members so at the time he was even dying that he said okay this one he don't die hmm. so it was one woman that serves idol that came to the house took him to her home place and later cured him so that's why he's serving the idol. That if God wants him to serve him, that God should come and meet him and tell him that I want you to serve me. So he now asked him, say, if you were in my shoe, will you still go and serve God? 
Can you clap for him? I mean, I mean that is that is serious. He used to serve God so fervently at the altar and so on. He felt almost sick to the point of death, and nobody showed up. You know, sometimes you are the Jesus somebody needs to see. And he felt abandoned by the Lord. And you're his favorite grandson. He lets you go to church, but he can't connect with the God in church. And it's not so much God that was at fault. God will not show up in person. He's invisible. He wanted to send somebody and the person did not go. And that is the result. And that's why when it says David will do all my will, Ezekiel said, I have done your will. I've worshipped you wholeheartedly. It is such people that carry the errand of God when it is needed. And that's why they become a man or a woman after God's heart. And I'm so sorry about the experience. Is he still alive? He's gone. Well, those are still alive. Every time God prompts you to go and check up on somebody, please don't set it aside. You never know how important it will be. And as we respond, may the Lord find us to be people after his heart in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for sharing that. Can we clap for him? Pastor K. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm so happy that part of our discussion is about the ministry of encouragement. Because when the end time comes, it's going to be one of the last ministries that will be very important. And why I want to say this is, I'm sure a lot of us know about this lady that committed suicide in Lekki. Yes, yes, yes. No husband, no children. Just, and what happened was somebody said some words which was not encouraging to her. What? Yes, sir. Yeah. That was what that, that triggered was, it off. Yes, sir. Um, because I even know of some friends that was a neighbor. She was a quiet woman, goes to church, stays alone, nice lady, goes to work, work with glow, comes back home. And what triggered everything was just that message the lady sent to her. And that was what made her commit suicide. Just give up. So what we're saying here is part of our ministry is the ministry of encouragement. And it is about serving wholeheartedly. Praise the Lord. Can you help me clap for Pastor K? Very well, very well. You know, I didn't know what killed her, but her picture never left my mind, and I was just so pained. She just wrote everything off and killed her. And she was a Christian. So we should be a source of life, not a source of death. The encourager will give life. The critic will give death. I hope this person that sent this message. They're looking for her. Share you see now. May the Lord help us in Jesus' mighty name. I want to take 
Okay, um, awesome. Give him the microphone. Clap, clap for him, please. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, another thing that can actually stop one from serving God wholeheartedly is uh, fear. Um, using Saul as an example, Saul was afraid of what the people was afraid that the people will leave him if he doesn't sacrifice to God. So he did, he made a sacrifice that he was not supposed to do, which was not service unto God. That's one. Then there is also a fear of what people will say. A lot of us, before we do something, we always look at, if I wear this clothes, how will people look at me? What will people say? Uh, my car, my car is, um, I have a rickety car. Can I be bringing my car to church every day? Then because of your car, you can just stop coming to church. That's what some people do. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for... How many people connect with what he said? What people would say? You know, this is a practical Christianity class. It's not enough to start well. You have to continue well. And you have to finish well. The Bible talks about being instant in and out of season. When David was in a cave, he was running from Saul. He was still seeking after God. He didn't say, if I was anointed king 10 years ago, why am I still living in a cave? He waited for God. He had a chance to kill Saul. He waited for God to put him on the throne. And God showed up for him all through his life. May, the Lord, may we live our lives in a way that God will show up for us through our lives in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're still talking about, I'm just going to take maybe one more example of what, the, what are the things, why people of God are not wholehearted all the time. Yeah, it is Joy again. All right, give her the microphone. Okay, let's take... The lady in red, please tell us your name. Don't tell me it's Joy again. I already have two Joys. Good evening, everybody. My name is Blessing. Okay, two Joys and one Blessing. My, today is my day. <laughs> two Joys and one Blessing. <laughs> okay, um, when he was talking, I remembered um, a classmate in secondary school, in fellowship. The guy told us to help pray for the mom. Before the parents separated, the mom prayed that God should not allow his husband to leave. And the husband was a pastor. And she told God if they separate, she will stop serving God. And really they separated. She stopped serving God and she went home to the mom and started serving idols. So from this, I, we shouldn't give God condition. We shouldn't give. We shouldn't give God condition. God is not, is not like us. The ways of God is like different from us. We can't understand the ways of God. Even if we search, we cannot. And also, when we. Um, when things don't go the way we expect, there's this great tendency for us to like, oh, 
I'm serving God. Everything is working well for this person who is not a Christian. You know, we try to compare ourselves to unbelievers. So the moment we start comparing our lives to the unbelievers, may things will not be all right. Like our faith, our connection with God will not be smooth because the unbelievers, they just live their life. They don't even know what tomorrow holds. But you who is a Christian, you know, yes, even if I go through all these tough times, tomorrow there might be a, a, a hope for me. So these little things, we just feel they are little, but we should stop comparing ourselves to the unbelievers. Come on now. As, 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 a, as a matter of fact, Psalm 73, maybe you bring that up. It talks about envying the wicked. It says, I was envious of them until I went into the house of the Lord or the tabernacle of the Lord. You know, it says their lives seem to be easy. They do any nonsense and they as if nothing goes wrong with them. And it says, my own life is plagued by her. Okay. It says, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Go on. Let's run through. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. Let's go. They are not in, they are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. This is uh, probably uh, David or some other prophet speaking. Say, therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. See them in Abuja. They have more than heart could wish. How can you buy a phone for 100 million naira? They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. Go on, go on, go on. They set their mouth against the heaven and their tongue walks through the earth. I, I, I know them, I know them. Therefore, his people return here and the waters are full of cup are drained by them. Go on, go on. And they say, how does God know? And is there any, is there knowledge in the most high? They challenge God. Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Go on. And he says, this is his conclusion. That's why you shouldn't compare. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. And I have, and I have washed my hands in, in, in innocence for, no, for nothing. Go on. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, uh, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I will have been untrue to the generation of your children. Now speaking to God. When I thought how to understand this, come on now, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. Let's leave it there. So you get the, you get the story. In Psalm 73, we see one of the old saints meditating about how it looks like unbelievers are getting away easy. He says, I have cleansed my hands in vain. 
that all my holiness, what has it amounted to? He said, I have troubles all the time. I'm sure somebody can relate to that. Until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord. May the Lord grant us understanding in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you one, uh, one reason why our wholeheartedness can be hampered or tampered with. When you look at other believers and they don't seem to be doing as much as you. And God seemed to be blessing them. They come to church. But they don't, they're not frenzied about God's matter like that. They do it semi-casually. Now they marry. Now them born twins. Now them go London for holiday. You, you are in four departments. Choir, you're there. Children's church, you're there. Acting, you're there and so on. And you're not even married. And you begin to say, others are not doing that much. Why do I have to do so much? Your wholeheartedness drops. And God is watching. The thing is about God is that everybody's time is different. You're not in a race against anybody. Their time comes. The Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice. Your own time of rejoicing is coming. That's a prophecy. Say amen. amen. The thing about wholeheartedness, where we started from, bring up the slide, is it is important because it makes you a man or woman after God's heart. And such people are never forsaken. For you to be sitting in your seat, it is on a Wednesday, and I know those of you that hardly ever miss a Wednesday, it is proof that you're wholehearted. I want you to clap for yourselves. You know, most and generally, if you ask people what they did with the time they didn't come to church, they can't honestly tell you the truth because they didn't use the time so well. The time you could have used to wholeheartedly serve God and to worship God, you use it to do something that makes no sense. So if I were to ask you, you would have to lie. What did you even do with that time? You can't even remember. It's something silly. You are just talking to in somebody that is of no importance. So wholeheartedness requires for you not to trade away God's thing for something else. You know, you should make up your mind that whatever has to do with God, God's time, God's money, God's service is touch not. No, no negotiation, nobody, don't go there. This one belongs to God and you'll be fine. And that's who David was. As a deer pants after the water brooks, my soul longed after you. And God is called faithful. You know what that means? He delivers. I want you to stand to your feet. I am the pastor, the snow pastor of Grace Assembly. I know those of you who keep coming. And if you, I don't see you, I know you have a good reason not to be here. Paul said, I know you will obey when I'm around. I'm much more when I'm not around. My testimonial about you matters to God. I want to say one prayer today. Lord, these wholehearted ones, 
I want you to speed up that which you want to do for them. Let, there'll be no more delays. There'll be a quick manifestation. Whatever you lost or eluded, you will run, you will catch up, you recover in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord strengthen us in our hearts and give us peace in the day of trouble and help us to maintain our focus that we do not bow to any idol. Haven't started well, Holy Spirit, sustain us. Let it never be said, that we used to be fervent. The Bible says some will fall by the wayside. That will not be our portion. As we have started well, we'll continue well, we'll finish well in Jesus' name. In the records of heaven, apart from the book of life, may our names be written in a journal of those who are after God's heart. May we, may we find ourselves in that journal in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We bless your name for the things that we have learned today. As we put them into practice, may we become more of a delight to you. That you may bless us out of Zion and cause us to be the reason why some people will want to serve God. When they see how much God is doing in our lives, so shall it be in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. If you have been blessed this evening, can you help me wholeheartedly? I said wholeheartedly celebrate the Lord our King. Hallelujah.